This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep. Talking Bills all year long. Because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, one more to go. One more preseason game. And then it is off to the regular season. Welcome back to It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovey, glad to have you aboard out at practice today and Matt sometimes you get those days this time of year where you're reminded fall is just around the corner a little bit chillier a little rainy it felt like it was the middle of the season type of practice I wasn't quite ready am I a sicko that I love this weather I think I love like 60 degrees a little bit of overcast and a little bit of breeze I know that I don't want that all the time but I'm not a big heat guy. Like I love fall weather. I would have preferred it to not be raining. I would prefer like just a very dry. I think if you said like, what is your ideal day? Matt Bove says 63 degrees with a light breeze and sunny. That is my ideal day. I don't think you're sicko for that. What I think you're a sicko for is wanting that on August 23rd. That's what I think you're a sicko for. I, I don't need that on August 23rd. I like it if we have to work in it for a lot of reasons. I like that it's very comfortable outside. I also like that the video looks better in darker mm. situations because then you don't have to worry about the lighting as much. The sun can make it impossible to shoot football, especially inside the stadium because sometimes the play is in the sun. Sometimes it's out of the sun. Sometimes it's coming from one side, but it's inconsistent. So on an overcast day, I think the video pops that much more. Uh, We will talk about all the things you shot at uh, practice and I saw and we saw and everything that went on at practice. But first, before we do that, Man, another tough week for you and your family. Yeah. And I'm so, so sorry. And I'll let you tell everybody about uh, why you're absent from the last program. Yeah, so Sal did the last program solo because my grandfather, we found out very suddenly, had an inoperable brain bleed, 95 years old, was yeah. unbelievably healthy, lived a very, very full life. Well, once they determined he had an inoperable brain bleed, they switched to end-of-life care, palliative care. And within 24 hours of that, he passed away six weeks to the day of when my father passed away. So I, th- I think there's something there. I think yeah. he almost, I think he died of a broken heart. I don't know the medical terminology for that. If, if it's, if it's even possible, but we had my daughter's baptism about a week and a half ago. And after the baptism, we stopped at the mausoleum where my father is buried. And it was the first time my grandfather has been there since oh. like the cemetery and all of the stuff. And to see him sit there and break down, seeing his son buried somewhere was so incredibly difficult. And I think it quite literally, like, you don't want to say it killed him, but like, it makes you wonder, like, could he take the pain anymore? I cannot imagine anybody who has ever had to bury a child. 
My grandfather had to do it twice with my father and with a sister who died at three months old, never came home from the hospital. So he lived a very full life. He was a teacher at Iroquois. He helped run the Boys and Girls Club at East Aurora, lived there his entire life. So it's a little different when somebody's 95 years old. It will never be easy. It will never be a good time to lose somebody. But man, 95 years. God bless him. He was an incredible man. Very gentle, very kind. He'll be missed. But I do find some comfort in knowing he's with dad again. Yeah, I think for me, like, you know, you tell me that story and I'm thinking there, there's a, a spot where he wanted to be with his son. Right. And it mm-hmm. didn't have to go like that. But he wanted to be with his son again. And he's going to be with his son. And he immediately, you know, got with his son again. They're going to be forever, eternally together. And he also lived an amazing life. The things you tell me about him, he was driving himself around at 95 years old. I think that's incredible. I, I, I hope I'm doing that at 95. Man. He was he was doing yoga. He oh went to the gosh. gym. He cut his it. own lawn at 95 years old. Quick story. So we got a call 10 years ago that he had fallen off the roof. He was cleaning his own gutter. Wow. So at this point, he's like in his mid 80s. Yeah. You go to the hospital. He's in the emergency room. And the doctor asks us in front of my dad and I, what's your level of pain? One to 10. And my grandpa goes, I don't know, like a two, maybe a three. He goes, sir, you've cracked your femur. You should be in a lot of pain. And he was like, well, okay, whatever. Just when can I get out of here? When can I go home? Like paint <laughs> people built in that, like people born and yeah. raised in that generation. They're just built different, man. The seriously built no different, doubt. you know, live to 95. I always thought like the way that he would go would be like snow blowing his own driveway at 105 years old and just like slipping and falling. So I think we could all, he died peacefully in the hospital surrounded by family and was only there for a couple of days. There is something comforting about that. What, what's his name? What was his name? Uh, Richard Anthony Beauvais. Richard Anthony Beauvais. Everybody called him rich. He hated when people called him Dick. (laughs) I mean, well, I don't even know how to answer that other than he's 95 and he kicked my butt anyway. So I don't think I want to call him anything that he didn't want to be called. Hey, a lot of people had different names for him. He was just a really, just a really special dude. Well, um, prayers and thoughts and love to you and your family once again through a difficult time. And I know it's been very difficult, but I also know you find comfort in the great life that he lived and the fact that he's with his son and the rest of his family once again. Absolutely. All right. Well, there's never an easy transition, but we are going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, and let's start doing that now because they have a preseason game on Saturday against the Chicago Mm -hmm. Bears. Saturday at 1 p.m. It's the preseason finale. Now, there used to be four preseason games. There's only three, but what the NFL did was they chopped off the last preseason game. So you still have two weeks from the final preseason game to the first regular season game. And in fact, in the Bills case, it's Saturday to a Monday, it's 16 days Mm -hmm. from the final preseason game to the opening night, September 11th, Monday night against the New York Jets. Matthew Bove, given how the Bills performed or didn't perform, I guess I'd say, against the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially their starters, would you entertain the thought of the starters playing at all in this game to feel a little better, look a little better, work out some kinks, whatever it is, and and full disclosure, we don't know if they are yet. If you're listening to this after you find out, you know, you might know that already because Sean McDermott will probably reveal that on Thursday morning. We are recording this on Wednesday night, which is why I wanted to ask you this now. I am not a preseason guy. I do not see the point in playing your starters in the preseason. I think the risk greatly outweighs the reward. 
All of that said, because they looked so bad, not everybody, but most of them looked so bad against the Steelers. I think I would play all of the starters besides like Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, and then maybe some of the other guys who you absolutely know, like you're fine. You're not overly concerned about, like I'm not playing Matt Milano. I'm not playing Tredavious White. I'm not playing guys who have a very defined role on this team, but the areas where I was concerned the most, the offensive line, I would say roll the entire unit out there again. See what they can do. Even your starting tackles. If that means you've got to go Dawkins and Spencer Brown playing in another game, maybe Mitch Morris is the one that you give the game off. And you say, okay, Bates, you're going to play center for Morris. We want to get another look at Torrance. McGovern gets banged up a little bit on Wednesday. Probably not going to play him just to be cautious, even though it doesn't seem like it's going to be a long-term thing. Probably not going to risk anything with him, but I thought the offensive line struggled, so I would like to see another look at them. And then defensively, I know the defensive line generated some pressure, and that's maybe been the like lone bright spot for the defense over the last couple weeks, but uh, they didn't look outstanding either, those first couple drives. The Jalen Warren touchdown just like keeps replaying in your head of like, how does that happen? I know you're not game planning for a preseason game a ton, but you can't let a play like that happen ever. So I think that we will see some starters. I think we'll see more starters than we usually see in the preseason finale, just because I think it could be a little bit of a message to the guys like, you know, we need more. Yeah, but but Sean McDermott, the Bills as an organization, Brandon Bean and McDermott are never reactionary, right? They don't, I mean, what I mean by that is sure, if they lose a guy to an injury, they'll react to go out and sign somebody. What I mean is they generally stick to their plan. They generally have a plan. They stick to it and they don't say, oh, we got a knee jerk. So that's why... I mean, I don't know. Maybe his plan all along was to play the starters. But if his plan wasn't to play the starters, I don't think McDermott's going to change that. I think he'll just do what he feels he needs to do to make sure that they get through the preseason healthy. And he's not going to look at last Saturday and say, you know what? We didn't play well. Now, he could surprise us and go, hey, there's two weeks left and we didn't like the way we looked. And I got to I gotta make sure that these guys are right and understand how important this is. The one thing I'll counter on with what you said about the O-line, I hear you on everything. What I'd be worried about, though, is you're already so thin right now on the old line at tackle, especially with McGovern getting banged up, like you said, but especially <laughs> at tackle. That's true. What happens if Spencer Brown <laughs> rolls an ankle or something? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think you can risk it. If that happens, you get Jason Peters on the phone and oh. you say, hey, hey, big guy, you want to yeah, come back to I mean, Buffalo? I know. Or you could just I not know. let him play. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I I would say of the position battles, it's not a position battle, but of the offensive line positions, I would say I'm most concerned about right tackle. And I know what you're saying. There's like no depth behind, you know, behind Dawkins and Spencer Brown. It's basically Questenberry, Vandermark, and that's it. So your point is valid, but you could say the same thing because you don't really have a lot of options there. What if you roll out just Questenberry and Vandermark as your two starters and then one of them gets hurt and then there's like one person behind them. So I I don't know what they do. I don't think they're going to do what I suggested. I think there's probably like 30 players who do not step on the field in the game. That's what I assume the Bills are going to do. But if McDermott is a little bit more reactionary than they normally are, you're not going to see me complaining. But hindsight's a heck of a thing, because if they play and then somebody gets injured, you could sit here and say, what the heck were they doing? So it it goes both ways. Just there's absolutely no chance that like Diggs or Allen or Milano or Trey White 
or Gabe Davis. You say there's like, absolutely no chance they're going to play. I don't think they should. I, oh no! Well, there's a difference. You said there's no chance they would. I, I that's what I mean. Like I don't know yet. I I'm still waiting for Sean to tell us. I don't. I don't completely dismiss it. I think you're right. I think they won't play. But I mean, look, there are teams playing starters. Aaron Rodgers is playing for the Jets. And again, I'll go back to this is normally the week you play your starters anyway. It's the third preseason game when you have two weeks left. So I'm not going to completely dis dismiss the notion. And like I said, by the time people hear this, they might already know the answer to this question, but I'm fascinated by it. Evidence tells us the last couple of years they get one game. Yeah. Big starters. That's right. Allen, Diggs, et cetera. Last, the last couple of years, they've happened on home games. So one of them was the middle game. One of them was the last game. I'm not really looking too much into that. I'm just thinking that it was convenient. It was the home game. That's kind of what they felt most comfortable, the most controlled setting. But they've already played. I mean, Allen was 7 of 10. He looked like Josh Allen. He had a big play that was negated by a penalty. There was like a million penalties. I need to see nothing more from Josh Allen to be convinced that he, in particular, is ready to go. I feel the same way about Stefan Diggs, and I right. feel the same way about some of those other guys that I've mentioned. Um, by the way, I do think, and I don't know this, and I maybe I should ask Sean at some point. It's he wouldn't. It wouldn't matter now. It's past it. But I wonder if he used this preseason game, the one at the Steelers, instead of a home game, because Week One is at the Jets, and they needed to make sure they go on silent count and you know that kind of thing, like to the crowd. It wasn't super loud, but you're gonna. A road environment. We got to make sure that we're, you know, buttoned up as far as that. But they weren't buttoned up, right? I mean, they had 12 penalties in the first half, and a lot were pre-snap penalties, which is something that is carrying over. And now, you know, even in practice, they're trying everything they can to, you know, correct that before they get to New York, and they have to uh, really crowd a loud environment on Monday night at MetLife. Well, one of the advantages of Saturday and not playing the starters is there's still 90 guys on the roster, which has not been the case this late in the year. Let's talk about some of the ones that are fighting for roster spots. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Sal Capcio, WGR Sports Radio 550, Matt Bove, WKBW-TV, Channel 7 Sports Director in Buffalo. All right, so the new rule is, starting this year, and ironically, the Bills, along with a bunch of other teams, actually proposed this rule. It wasn't just the Bills. The new rule is there's one cut-down deadline in the NFL. Now, you can cut whenever you want for your teams, but you have to be down 
from 90, go all the way from 90. You can carry 90. The new rule is basically you can carry 90 for three preseason games. You never could do that before. Yeah. But then you got to get to 53 by Tuesday at 4 p.m. That's going to be really interesting. Let's take mm-hmm. a look at some of the guys that are really fighting either for spots on the roster or maybe they already kind of have one and they're fighting to cling on to that spot. I'll ask you for one name on offense, and I'll give one. We'll go one name on defense that you want to talk about who's in an interesting spot. So I'll start with you, Matt. What's one name on offense? I feel like offensively, if you say like an offensive lineman, it's kind of a boring answer because I don't think any of these guys you would want to see on the field a ton. You probably wouldn't feel great about the Bills' chances if these players had to play a lot. But for me, it's Ike Butker. Ike Butker has been a guy who's been versatile for this team in the past, almost like what Ryan Bates has become. Then he has the injuries. We don't really get to see him for a couple of years. I think they liked what he brought to the table a couple of years ago. He, he was a little bit of stability while there was kind of the injuries that just continued to happen with the offensive line. But we haven't really talked a lot about Ike Butker this summer. And I think five months ago, I would have said, Ike Butker is going to be on this team. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the case because of just all of the other bodies that they have there, they might like the upside of some of the younger guys that they have, or maybe some of the guys who have a little bit more experience than Ike Butker at different stops around the NFL. So I think for me, it's Ike Butker because I thought it was almost a foregone conclusion that he would be on the team. Now I don't necessarily feel that way. Well, I looked in last year, they kept nine offensive linemen. They could keep 10, but they kept Mm -hmm. nine last year. They can make eight active on game day. So then you have one still in reserve. But if you go with nine, I do think it's tough with the numbers. Now, we know Tommy Doyle is out for the year. I mm-hmm. thought it was interesting that on Wednesday, um, Ken Dorsey did not rule out somebody possibly moving outside who normally plays inside. Hint, hint, Ryan Bates. I asked him because of Ryan Bates, really, specifically. Yeah, and I, I'm not telling you he's going to do that. The point is that they'll look at all those options at offensive tackle because the flexibility obviously matters. Ike Butker's more of an interior guy, but because you exactly. have Bates, Bates that has all that flexibility, you could – have a guy like that still on your roster, even with David Edwards, who I think makes it. David David Questenberry, to me, is going to be on the roster. And I think the guy they really like is Ryan Vandermark. Vandermark. You know, Vandermark, to yeah. me, is going to be um, the, a backup tackle somewhere. Left side, right side swing, whatever it is. I like that pick of Ike Butker. That's really interesting. I'm going to go to the wide receivers. I don't know what's going to happen with Khalil Shakir. because Ooh, you, that's a good one. If you, if you pin me down, I'm saying he's making the team. And the reason is numbers, right? Like, and, and the reason is I should say it's not even numbers. It's, it's math for him. He hasn't been in the league four years. This is only his second year, actually. So if you wave him, you're losing him, Matt. I can't see a world. I can't see a scenario where someone doesn't claim him. Mm-hmm. He's subject to waivers. If you release him, I think someone's claiming him. I'm like, oh my gosh, we'll take Khalil Shakir. Like he was a fifth round pick, but we had a higher grade on him than that. We just didn't draft him. He was thought to be more of a third or fourth round pick in the draft a couple of years ago by most analysts. Um, the problem is I don't think he's had a very good camp or at least inconsistent, I should say. He's had some really good moments. He's had an inconsistent camp. And Andy Isabella is making a really good push here. And Justin Shorter is a guy like they don't really have that kind of guy like that with his size and can play special teams and be a gunner. And I don't see them keeping seven. I mean, to me, Shakir is kind of a duplicate of Deontay Hardy and Andy Isabella. And this might tie into keeping Isabella. But I think Khalil Shakir is in an interesting spot. And I'll also say that I wouldn't doubt if Brandon Bean was fielding calls or making calls to try and see if he can move somebody who's not going to make the team. And to me, that could be a guy like Shakir. 
Yeah, the Shakir one's interesting because I think Justin Shorter locked up a spot against the Steelers. I think the way he played in the second half, he was already a draft pick, so he had that going for him. He could have been honestly pretty, like, okay the entire summer and still made the team because he was a draft pick, because he's an athletic freak, and he's huge, and they don't have a lot of wide receivers who have much size. Shakir, unfortunately for his chances at making the team, kind of similar to some of the other guys that they have there. You know, obviously, Diggs and Davis are on the team. You know, Sherfield and Hardy are on the team. And now you get to the other guys, and it's like, okay, if you think Shorter's making the team, what do you do with Shakir? I think right now he makes the team, but I do not think it's a slam dunk. I think that they don't want to cut bait yet. I think they want to give it a little bit more time. And honestly, like, Shakir has gotten some run going back to last year with the top offense at times. He has made plays for them. I bet they're a little bit scared about just like cutting bait early and watching him go thrive somewhere else. You know, you could never have cold feet in this situation, but it makes you different skill set, different player, different situation. It makes you think of like Isaiah Hodgins, who then leaves and goes and becomes an immediate player with the Giants. Not a star by any stretch, but like somebody who can play. Man, you'd think that this team would love to have Isaiah Hodgins still, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I think yeah. so. But look, I, I mean, they, they received a lot of flack last year for the Isaiah Hodgins thing, but no, they can't I mean, though. He was, but yeah, exactly. Isaiah Hodgins had to be a special teams contributor. He wasn't going to play that much. So uh-huh. it was always a tough spot and he just wasn't very good on special teams and yeah. he couldn't, he couldn't maintain blocks, you know, in, in kickoff return situations. I know people think those things are, well, what does it matter if he's a really good receiver? I get it. But it was, he playing over Gabe Davis. No. Was he playing over Stefan Diggs? No. And I mean, it, it was just a tough situation. Shakir here. Okay. So let's play this out. Do you think Andy Isabella makes it? No, I don't. Okay. I, so I, you have Shakir and Isabella out. You'd have Diggs, Davis. No, I have Hardy. Shakir. I have Shakir in. I'm sorry about that. Let me yeah, rephrase that. You have Diggs, Davis, Hardy, Sherfield, Shorter, Shakir, right? I don't think Shorter is completely safe. I like what you said about him, and I probably makes it because he is an investment, fifth-round pick. He's a guy that can be a special teams guy, can be a gunner. To me, he's your Jake Kumaro replacement more than anything is what he really Mm -hmm. is from last year. Speaking of the Isaiah Hodgins situation with special teams, I think it's a really interesting decision. I I guess I could see them keeping seven receivers if they really felt that they just couldn't lose one. But there is a difference with Isabella. He's been in the league four years. If you release Isabella, he probably doesn't. I mean, yeah. he's not subject to waivers. No one's so you can't claim him anyway. He's a free agent, unless a team comes calling and says we're going to offer you a contract, which is possible. Mm-hmm. He probably comes back to the practice squad anyway, or he yeah. could say, "I'm not doing that. I want to take my chances, stay out there, and be a free agent, and hook onto somebody's 53 soon." Now you're you got a much better chance of getting. Isabella to your practice squad than getting Shakir even within the organization. I think if Shakir does not make the 53 man roster, he's probably signed by a different team by four 15 on Tuesday night. Who knows? Maybe it's the giants, right? Maybe it's Dave and Joe Shane again. He'd be claimed by whoever. And then they would award the claim by noon on Wednesday, I think. So I I just don't think that he would go unclaimed. I think Isabella is probably a pretty safe bet to go unclaimed. And I I see what you're saying about maybe him wanting to stay out there and be able to answer the phone whenever there's an injury to somebody and try and latch on right to a 53. But I think for him, like having a paycheck and being in the NFL is probably more valuable than just kind of sitting around and waiting. I mean, it's not like he is 
a super, super young player. I think he's 26, 27 years old at this point. Like those guys are grinding to just stay within an organization, make some money and then potentially get a chance somewhere down the road. Yeah. And just so everybody knows if a team does claim a player, whether it's the bills or anybody else, if a guy, the only player subject to waivers would be guys who haven't been in the year in the league four years. So if that happens, a guy gets released, he hasn't been in four years. If a team claims him, they have to put him on their 53 man roster for three weeks. They cannot just put him on their practice squad. So that's actually deterrent. So maybe in a and maybe there's a scenario where you know a guy like Shakir even passes through because you're like, yeah, we got to give him a spot on the 53. Do we have a spot? We like the guys we have. We'll see. Let's go to the defensive side. Give me one guy on defense that's in an interesting spot. Kingsley Jonathan. Yeah, he's been, a, love he's, it. been a, love it. he's been somebody talked about Let's a lot go this week. Orange. Yeah, I know. I know. I almost shouldn't have picked it just for that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, he's been a guy who's been talked about this week as somebody who has kind of flashed. I believe Eric Washington yep. specifically called him out. In the games he's played, he has looked good. It's funny that they're playing the Bears this week because when I think of Kingsley Jonathan, I think of him getting on the field on Christmas Eve against the Bears in a regular season game and making an impact. To me, it comes down to what do you value more? The upsides you potentially get with Kingsley Jonathan or the surefire thing of what Shaq Lawson is because you know Shaq Lawson can help kind of bridge the gap to whenever Von Miller is ready to go. Shaq Lawson has played very meaningful snaps for this team and still looks like he can play. I don't know if he can play as much as he did a few years ago, but you have to decide. What do you want? Do you want the safer, I guess, pick on your 53-man roster of Shaq Lawson, or do you want the upside of Kingsley Jonathan? And I think right now it's like 55-45 in favor of Jonathan as opposed to Lawson. I really like um, your Jonathan pick. I, I think he could make it. I think Cameron Klein's done enough in a normal situation to make it. I just think the numbers might not work out yeah. for him. This looks really good to me. But I'm going to stay on this side of the ball, I'm in this side, in this position group. The guy that's interesting to me is Boogie Basham. To mm-hmm. me, he's almost like the Khalil Shakir of the defense, which mm-hmm. is he's he's been here two years. So, I mean, that's an investment. That's a second-round pick. You don't want to divest yourself from that and move on. But at the same time, is there enough room for him? I mean, I think they like AJ Epinesa more than him. I think I, you know, the way it shakes out, it looks like AJ is a guy ahead of him. Maybe it's AJ Epinesa, but look, we're going to get into a Von Miller discussion here. When Von Miller's healthy, whether that's week one, week five, week 10, I mean, at some point, you're in Von Miller. If everyone on the defensive line is healthy, and I know injuries happen, they're not keeping six of them, Matt. So no. you're looking at Miller, Russo, Floyd as locks, and then you have Basham, Epinesa, Shaq Lawson. Eh, what's with him? Uh, Cameron Klein, Kendall Vickers, Kingsley, Jonathan, all of them have done something. If you like Jonathan, you throw him into that mix, but even without Jonathan, somebody's going to be left without a chair when the music stops. Yeah, I agree. I think that your boogie Basham pick to me is like very indicative of what I think will happen with Brandon Bean. Like, I think that's the type of player that they trade, like they trade. Like somebody who you do not feel comfortable cutting bait from because of the asset you use to get them. But maybe you've got a team out there that's willing to give you a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick. What about what about a team that was willing to give you a linebacker or a tackle? Great. Do that. Honestly, if you can make that deal work like, uh, you know, they always call them in hockey, like a hockey trade where it's a player for a player, a football trade where it's a player for a player. You should absolutely be using a position where you have a little bit of depth and option and try and flip it into something that you desperately need, which right now are those two positions, our tackle 
offensive tackle and linebacker. Like offensive tackle is a little bit more cut and dry. Assuming that they're healthy, we know who the five starters are going to be. We are three weeks away from the regular season. I still do not know who their starting middle linebacker is. I still don't know who I think it's going to be. I still don't know who I think it should be, which is an issue for a team that has Super Bowl expectations. Yeah, and they did this with Daryl Johnson a couple of years ago from this same position. Where and they Cody, Fo- Cody Ford. Cody Ford, um, and he was on a rookie deal still. Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller. Didn't work out that, was, that one. <laughs> how, about, how about Russell Bodine? I mean, Brandon Bean got a draft pick for Russell Bodine. Sixth-round pick, the New England too. Patriots, right? Yeah, I think it was like a sixth-round pick. I don't even think it was a seventh. I think they got a sixth right. for him, which is fairly impressive. Yeah, so they've done this before. I mean, the guy got a the guy got a draft pick for Lee Smith in the offseason once. All right, so he'll be he'll be searching as much as he can to try yeah. and you know make these deals. And I don't I, I'm, I don't want to speak for you. I don't think either of us are trying to pu- push Boogie Basham or Khalil Shakir out of Buffalo. All we're no. saying is these are good football players. If they can't make your roster, then you have to look to try and maybe get an asset for them. And the Bills already have. Well, they will have 10 draft picks next year. Once the compensatory picks come in, they'll get a third rounder for the Tremaine Edmonds situation. They're going to have 10 draft picks next year. So it doesn't have to be a draft pick. They have done a nice job of stockpiling that. So I think if you can get a player, a guy that can help you, offensive tackle depth, linebacker, the middle linebacker that maybe can push these guys. I mean, heck, if he can start, that's great. I mean, there are salary salary cap concerns here as well. Speaking of that, before we move on, I want to talk about Von Miller. So Terrell Bernard returned to practice in a very limited, weird kind so, of way. Yeah, limited. Wednesday, right? I, we're, I'm going to call him limited. I mean, mm-hmm. he had his helmet and his shell on like everybody else, but he didn't do any individual work or any team drills against the offense. He did nothing against anybody, but he did line up with the defense when they were doing install. So I think to me, that's kind of limited. He was on the field doing some stuff. So either way, feels like he's getting ready to come back. Um, When he does, do they just go right to him and go, dude, no one else has done this? You, you you, let's see if you can step up and be this guy we want you to be. They might. I mean, I think that speaks volumes to the players that were in front of him, the players that we thought could have taken this competition and ran away with it. But it doesn't feel like Dodson has done anything to say, like, okay, this is my job. And then it feels like Klein is kind of your break glass in case of emergency player that you could probably be okay with for a couple weeks, but you don't want to be your long term answer there, just given his age and how many, you know, miles are on those tires. So I would say. I don't think they do that if the guy didn't even play a preseason game, but I think the leash could be pretty short on whoever's in front of them. And given the scenario we're talking about, I would think it would be Klein. I would think that Klein is on the field against the Jets, and they say, like, okay, Terrell, like, get ready, because if this does not go well, you're going to be out there by week three, week four, whatever it is, and then you're going to get your kick at the can. Your kick at the can, though, just happens to come in the regular season and not in the preseason. 16 days they'll have from their final preseason game till they play Monday night. That's actually the same amount of time that they had for training camp. So if Terrell Bernard's healthy enough to start practicing, you know, that day, the day after on that Monday, two weeks would be, you know, well enough for him to get put back into the starting lineup. He knows the, uh, the defense. He's been actually practicing there. He just he had the yeah. injury back on August 10th. Here we are on August 23rd. So it's been a little less than two weeks now since he returned. All right. They got to make a decision on Von Miller, too. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Matt, we kind of touched on this last time you and I talked, but now we're getting a lot closer. We're within a week. Mm-hmm. Bills have to make a decision, not only on who they're going to keep on their 53-man roster, but in conjunction with that, what they do with guys on reserve lists. Now, Naeem Hines is already on a reserve NFI list, so he's done for the year. They can't bring him back. That's fine. Uh, we don't know how that salary cap situation is going to play out. They're still working on that. But Von Miller's on the active pup list. There is no reserve pup list in the preseason or camp. What there is is a reserve pup once Regular season starts. They have to make a decision. Do they want to put him there and stash away his roster spot, therefore losing him for four weeks? Or do they activate him to the regular 53-man roster, take him off pup, and say, he's ready to go. Let's do this. He counts on the 53. I ask you this with the knowledge that on Tuesday and Wednesday, he showed up to practice on Tuesday with his padded pants on, even though he didn't Mm -hmm. practice. And on Wednesday, with his padded pants and his helmet on, I asked him when I saw him walking through the field house, you just get in the field with the helmet? And he said, got to get used to breathing through the mouthpiece again. He's getting close. <sighs> okay. I hear what you're saying. And I think that these are important observations to have. I think Von Miller is legitimately the most optimistic and positive human on yes, planet Earth. Probably right, yes. I think the Bills are going to put him on the pup list to start the season to protect him from himself. Because I think right now, Von is probably doing this to try and show them, like, guys, bring me back. Guys, I'm ready to go. Bring me back. This is the same guy that got injured and said, I think I can be back in a couple weeks or I can be back by the playoffs. And then they were like, eh, just kidding. You need surgery. You're not playing for a long time. I think he's trying to like let them see like, okay, look, guys, like I feel like I'm ready to go. And they're going to be like, hey, we appreciate that. We appreciate that you've hung out here for the entire offseason and you've helped with coaching up all of these guys. Thanks for doing that. We'll see you week six against the Giants because we don't want your first game to be in London. We'll see you week six against the Giants. So. I think that he'll start on the pup. If he doesn't, I mean, at that point, like he'll be back soon. Like if he is not on the pup list, you're not just like throwing away that roster spot with all of the difficult decisions you have to make. Like you're not putting him on the pup list or you're not keeping him off the pup list. If you think there's only a chance he's back, you need to a hundred percent know that this guy is playing or else you're just putting him on the pup and you're being overcautious and you're saying, okay, we'll stow him away for four weeks. I agree with everything you said. Essentially. I do think he'll wind up on the pup list for all of those reasons. You mentioned the, 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 the problem with, if you do, even if he's healthy and he says, I'm ready to go. And the doctors go, yeah, he's fine. Like he can go out there and play. You're not going to go out there and have him play 90% of the snaps in week one. I mean, the guy hasn't 
been a part of practice or anything. He's still ramping up and it's week one. But if he was on your active 53 and you said, let's put him on a pitch count and he's going to play 30% of the snaps. What happens that if someone like Greg Rousseau or Leonard Floyd was an ankle, he's got to now play and you don't want him to play. You can't mm-hmm. put yourself in that position either. You can't paint yourself into a corner. What they could do, they could do, because I want to, I want to remind everybody this. If he's on pup, Matt can't practice either. So if he's mm-hmm. on pup, he can't even practice for four weeks. Now you're looking at, like you said, which I'm fine with, he can't even practice until the start of week five. Then let him practice and play in week six. But if what one of the options is here, you keep him on the 53. You don't play him because you can't for four weeks. But since he, or, I mean, I'm sorry, you keep him on the 53. You don't play him because you don't want him out there yet. You just make him inactive for game day until mm-hmm. he's ready. That way he can practice as much as you want until he's ready. Yeah. Because he can't I, practice on pup. You're right, but are you really doing that second scenario for him to come back week three or week four as opposed right. to week five or week Probably six? Not. Like, is it worth it to just lose the potential roster spot of a Kingsley Jonathan or something just to have him around for the first month of the season? And who knows, maybe he flashes and he ends up, you know, you have a different, more difficult decision in a different position. I don't know. I just think given Von Miller's age, given all of the things he's done in the league, the injury that he's coming off of, they are going to be so overcautious about this. Like even if a doctor is telling them, Hey, like we think he's probably fine or they're not going to say probably he's good to go. They might be like, yeah, he's good to go, but let's just really make sure. Yeah. Look, I'm just throwing out the other scenarios. I pretty much agree with everything you're saying about what's going to happen and what should happen. I, I think most bills fans agree. They shouldn't, you know, put him on the field. It's it's a marathon, not a sprint. I've said it many times. I think the Bills mm-hmm. understand and know they want to be playing their best football and be the healthiest they can be, you know, later in the season in December, January, and February. What if they didn't have Leonard Floyd? Would you feel the same? What if they never signed Leonard Floyd? <sighs> yes, I would feel the same because it is, once again, you have to look at everything big picture and you have to look at 17 games and not just four games, five games. So I think you would feel confident enough about the rest of your roster that you would be able to get through that point. I think with or without Von Miller, your baseline, the first four games of the season, like it should be three and one, like that should be your goal that it has to be three and one. And if you have Von Miller, sure, you could win all four, but that should be your bottom. And same thing without him, like that shouldn't change. So that's why I think you just be overcautious and you bring them back when you need to bring them back. All right. Let's uh, just, Bounce around the league here for a second. I got a couple of topics I want to discuss with you. Number one is what's happening in San Francisco with their quarterback situation. Brock Purdy had that uh-huh. UCL injury. He is back. He is playing. But they had decided a while ago that he was going to be their starter, which to me tells me all I need to know about what they thought about Trey Lance. And now Trey Lance isn't even the number two. It's Sam Darnold. They announced that. So it looks like they're going to move on and trade Trey Lance. That's a really... I'll say I think it's one of the worst trades in NFL history for the San Francisco 49ers to give up what they gave up. Matt, they swapped first-round picks, gave up two more first-round picks and a third-round pick to get Trey Lance, who's played eight games for them, started like two or four in garbage time, and then uh, you know last year before he got hurt for a couple, and they're going to move on from him already. I think this is stunning. Bogey bash him in a third-round pick for Trey Lance. Do you do it? No, I don't think the Bills need to bring Trey Lance. I don't know. I... I'd have to know what the Bills felt about Trey Lance. I guess so. Yeah. You know what? I think I would because I like Trey Lance. I like his physical tools, and he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen with those. That's what I mean. I mean, I mean, I know that the 49ers messed up big time with all that they gave up for him, but 
to write somebody off that quick. I mean, don't you just love the skill set that he has? I, I think you would you. feel really comfortable about your backup quarterback position for the next couple of years, and he's still an asset. Like, I don't think that if you trade for him, he has no value. I know that Diana Rossini, who's now with The Athletic, reported that they have been shopping him for a while, and they haven't gotten any offers for him. But, you know, you're sitting there, and you're like, okay, like, we don't know if Boogie Basham is going to even make this team. We'll give you him and we'll give you a third. And the reason we can give you the third is because we know we're getting a compensatory pick. So we're getting a third round pick back anyway. So in the end of the day, like, does it really, really take that much away for us? I just think like nothing that has been Matt Barkley had a strong preseason game against the Colts. Kyle Allen had a strong preseason game against the Steelers, but nothing from either of those guys all summer has made me think like, okay, this is as good of a backup option as you have behind Josh Allen and the way that he plays like you just probably want to have a little bit more peace of mind there at your backup quarterback spot and you know like sitting here from our perspective going well Matt why would you trade something for a guy who's going to be the third quarterback in San Francisco well my counterpoint is like I like Sam Darnold a lot like I think Sam Darnold could probably start on a lot of teams in this league and then as far as Purdy's concerned they were awesome with him last year. That doesn't mean he was awesome, but you're not going to just take the guy's job away after what he did last season. So it was almost an impossible from situation for Lance anyway. So yeah, I, wow. I would be I would I would be making that call if I'm Brandon Bean. The problem is I don't think San Francisco will cut bait for that little given what they paid. You know, we should first mention Matt Barkley's been dealing with an elbow injury. So right now the Bills only have two healthy quarterbacks on their roster heading into Saturday. But by then, maybe Matt Barkley's able to play. Let's see how that plays out for Saturday. But there's they didn't sign a quarterback or even bring one in that I know of. So it looks like mm -hmm. Matt Barkley should be fine overall. As far as the situation with San Francisco, when all this was happening, I'm like, man, they must really, really love Brock Purdy. Now it looks like, no, they just really don't like Trey Lance. Because not only did he not start or even get a chance to start, he's the number three. He's behind Sam Darnold who beat him out. And I like, I agree with you. I, I don't hate Sam Darnold either. I think that, you know, he's a, he's a quality backup to have in this league and could start on some teams in the NFL. What about Jonathan Taylor? There's been a lot of um, bills fans who said that they should at least investigate Jonathan Taylor. I'm not of that mind. I think that what it would take to get him plus to be able to pay him. No way. Am I interested in that? And even if you could bring him in just on the salary he has, I don't know if I want to do that the bills for the asset if you want to give him to the bills for free for his his four and a half million dollar salary fine mm -hmm. go ahead he's a fantastic player i yeah. like james cook i'm not telling you james cook is better than jonathan taylor what i'm telling you is for the assets you have to give up for what a running back means to this offense it's not worth it to me that's what i think i think it's almost the same thing we said about delvin cook going to the jets and i think it's the same thing about well it's different with zeke over in new england but the bills bread and butter, their identity should be passing the football. That does not mean that they should abandon the run completely. You've probably seen talking heads on TV or on radio for years talking about one of the reasons why the Bills can't get over the hump is because they can't establish the run. I think that's a bunch of nonsense. I think it's a lot of reasons why they can't get over the hump, but that's not the main reason why. So yeah, I mean, good football players make good football teams better. That's obvious. Jonathan Taylor comes in the door. The Bills are a better team and they have a better chance of winning the Super Bowl this year than they do without him. But knowing what it's going to cost to get him and more importantly, what it's going to cost to have him under contract for a significant period of time. Because otherwise he's a rental anyway. And I, don't, that's, I mean, I, I understand mean, they're trying to win a Super Bowl and that's okay to have a rental, but the premium asset you'd be giving up for a guy like that, I don't, I, on a team that's going to be so pass heavy anyway. 
here, here's an interesting one. Okay. And this is tricky. I, I don't think I say yes to this. If you are really interested in Jonathan Taylor, would you trade James Cook for Jonathan Taylor straight up? Well, so would I, I mean, would here, I rather have Jonathan Taylor than James Cook, probably because certainly. of how good he it's, is. It's, it's you're going all in on Jonathan this year. Taylor. No, I, I agree. It would so almost I, be would like I trade him straight up. I don't think so because I'm I'm left with nothing next year. I understand that, but you've got assets, and who knows what happens, and maybe your mind changes because of what he does. I'm not disagreeing with you because you have James Cook on cost control for the next three years, and I think that's what you need to do with running backs, and I like James Cook's upside. But I'm just thinking that's like the bare minimum you would probably be away with getting giving the Colts. I mean, they're asking for a first-round pick. I don't think they're getting a first-round pick from anybody, and if they do, I think the team that's giving them the first-round pick is not using their assets properly. So, okay, then you go to, okay, well, what about second-round picks? Well, James Cook was a second-round pick last year. He's a, he's the same position. You know, he checks a box for the Colts of like, okay, here, you've got somebody who's cheap for the next several years at running back with upside. And for the Bills, it's like, okay, now you fall into this window. of I think it was Lewis Riddick was on ESPN, and he was like, Jonathan Taylor – on the Buffalo Bills makes them the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Maybe it was him. Maybe it was Sal Palantonio. It was one of them on their get up program in the morning. And I'm like, okay, but I kind of think they're in that conversation anyway, without him. And it's not just a one year thing. You need to think long-term here because Josh Allen makes a significant amount of money, but it's interesting. It's interesting. I do think he would, he would fit and help a lot better than Miami Dolphins. I don't want to see that happen for the Bills' sake. Mm-hmm. But you add him to the Dolphins, I think that's a really interesting move for them that really elevates them even more because, to me, uh-huh. the running back room isn't spectacular, and they had a lot no. of problems running the ball last year. Some of that's, you know, a big part of that's their offensive line. Uh-huh. I think that's the kind of move that team needs. I don't disagree with you, but then I wonder, like, how many times can you get rid of high picks in assets when you have this major question mark about your quarterback's health. Mm-hmm. If you knew Tua was going to be healthy for the next eight, nine years, you're probably a little bit more comfortable making that move. But what if you need a quarterback? What if Tua, I mean, Tua said that he thought about retiring. I don't yeah. ever want to see a player have to get to that point. But if your quarterback was thinking about retiring, even for a second, I don't think you can just plan around that guy for the next decade. And you already traded a first-round pick for Bradley Chubb. You traded a pick for Jalen Ramsey. You were take. You had a first-round pick taken away because of all the stuff that happened with the owner. Like, I, I don't know. Eventually, you need to use a first-round pick. By the way, speaking of retiring, how about Corey Davis retiring? I loved that guy when he came out of college. I was like a huge Corey Davis fan when he came out of college, Western Michigan. I'm like, oh, my God, that would be great out of bills. And I was wrong on that. didn't turn out very well. Well, Titans, Jets, now he's going to retire. So he uh, made it known today he's going to retire. Matt, before we leave, um, unfortunately, we started with the passing of your grandfather. And yeah. I want to end with um, the passing of Rick Jenneret. You know, yes, he means a lot to so many people here in Western New York. And, and, you know, I told the story on the radio when it happened that Friday morning when I went on, just to give you an idea. When I found out Thursday night, I called my mom, who's 72. And the next morning, I told my son, who's nine who both needed to know because that's how much he spanned all of our lives and generations. Um, there's going to be a, a nice memorial and tribute to him, I should say, on Sunday down at Key Bank Center downtown. In case anybody hasn't seen that, you can check that out. Um, the Sabres have tweeted out about it and talked about it. 
Uh, but, you know, when I was growing up, it was the voices, Irvin, Rick and Tom on your station, of yeah. course, legendary, um, you know, Van Miller, John Murphy, but atop the mountain was Rick Jenneret and always will be an indelible voice in my head. And he is a very, very big reason why people like you and I do this for a living. He was my hero growing up. I mean, I idolized Rick Jenneret and I know that probably is silly for some people to hear. And you're like, okay, well he was a hockey announcer, but when you are a kid and hockey's your favorite sport and you live in a city like Buffalo, like I never thought I was going to be one of the players on the ice. I always wanted to do something like Rick Jenneret. And my mom tells me stories of me standing on the fireplace and trying to like imitate Rick Jenneret. He scores and doing it for, you know, all those years when I was a little kid, I just, when I think of the Sabres, I think of that voice. I think of those moments and he elevated those moments. Like all of my favorite memories of the Sabres as a child, all of my favorite memories watching games with my dad and with my grandfather, like people who I have lost recently, he was the voice in the background. And I think it makes those moments and those memories just a little bit more special. And I know a lot of people feel the same way. I think when you think of your favorite Sabres moment for a lot of people, he's the voice behind that. And I think that's one of the reasons why he was so special to so many people. So an unbelievable career, an awesome person who I was yeah. very fortunate to get, you know, the chance to meet and interact with several times over the course of my 10 year career working at channel seven and he'll be missed. He will certainly be missed. No doubt about it. And we extend all of our condolences and thoughts to Rick Jenneret's family, friends, the entire Western York community, the hockey world, losing a legend in Rick Jenneret. Can I Matt say one more I, thing? Yeah. One more thing. Yeah. This is not, this is not a death. Okay. Like I, I want to make that very clear, but okay. you, you mentioned Irv, Rick and Tom, and it made me think of something. Mike okay. Randall has worked yeah. at channel seven for yes. years on Thursday. He is retiring. So wow. this podcast will All be right, out. Mike. That is Mike Randall's final day working at channel seven, okay. 40 right. years at channel seven. I love it. Legitimately. One of the most talented people that has ever worked in Buffalo broadcasting in any medium, any platform. Mike Randall is also a legend and deserves to be recognized. And I know this is a sports podcast. Some people will know who Mike Randall is. Others will not. But hey, if you do something for 40 years and you're really, really good at it, you deserve a little bit of shine. And I've always really enjoyed Mike Randall as a colleague and as a friend. So kudos to you. Shout out. Enjoy retirement. You have earned it. Amazing. Love it. Congratulations, Mike Randall. Great place to end this particular podcast. Don't forget, we are always on video. If you're listening to us, you want to see our faces, you can do that. Go to the YouTube page at Sal Sports. We're getting some great numbers there. A lot of great feedback on that. Thank you very much. Thank you to Mike Rabier, our producer here today. Not only, obviously, on the video side, but on the audio side as well. That's where you can always find. It's always game day in Buffalo. iTunes, Spotify, we'd appreciate you subscribing and throwing us a nice review, five-star rating, a big like, all those kinds of things that you do on social media. All right, Matt, um, on to Chicago, and then it's on to the regular season, buddy.